Hey, thanks for being here. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 220 is with Dan Bush and Jonathan Tucker from Manawak Caves. Good morning, Arrow. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. I got to tell you, I love the production value that you have put into this. I, I'm, I'm a production pig. And I mean, I, I grew up with Radio Mystery Theater. I want and I demand quality. And you guys do it. Thanks. That's lovely to hear. Yes, we, we, uh, we've worked hard on it. The pacing of the script, I, I can't imagine how you put that in, onto a page, in all honesty, because, I mean, the way that you draw me in with those big pauses. Ah, yeah, sure. Yeah, the dramatic pauses. Um, well, I leave, I, I owe a lot of that to the actors in the way that, that, it, that it's performed. You know? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Arrow, you know, you, you, it's, um, it was such a thrill and surprise to get this script. Um, you can you can tell when writing is great by how easy it is to memorize or how 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 elegantly it flows out of your mouth um, and how many kind of ways in which you can find to to chop it up and play with it. And Dan's writing is some of the best that I've um, I've gotten to read and work with in, in my whole career. You brought up something very interesting. You said memorize. Is this like doing a, a script for a movie? Because, I mean, I mean, it does have that kind of a flow to it where it's coming directly from your mind, body, and soul. It was one of the, you know, it was a great reminder of how, um, uh, of, of the importance of storytelling um, because... Uh, we didn't have props and we didn't have a camera. We didn't have setups and lots of takes or a hair makeup team. Um, all you really needed was the emotional residence of Dan's script. Mm -hmm. And there we are in this little box in this little studio in the middle of the day in Los Angeles. And, and having, you know, and there, I was personally having as fulfilling of an experience as I would on, uh, on any set that I've ever been on. Yeah. Dan, it's it's almost like part journal, part drama and and true crime. I mean, there's there's such a mixture of, of things going on in this podcast, but it keeps you very glued to to the storyline as it's happening. You know, I really it's 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 been an interesting thing going from being a filmmaker, you know, in, in my life making films. Actually, yeah, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Did you? Did I you? Did, I did. What part? West Charlotte High School. Oh, I, right. I grew up in Plaza Midwood, Plaza Midwood. Oh, my Matheson God. Avenue. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my hometown. Uh, yeah, man. I uh, so making movies. Right. And then to, to when when uh, Connell Byrne at iHeart first hit me up and he knew me as a filmmaker and we'd done projects together and he said, you, you know, uh, you should make a fictional podcast. And I was, I said, no way I'm a filmmaker. I, 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 you know, I need a camera. And so this was like a challenge to go, how do you make a movie without a camera? <laughs> and what I found was that this is this really rich, uh, medium where it's not a film. It's not a play. It's not an audio book, but it's somewhere in between all of those. And it captures the sort of, it captures the thought of all of those. And and I, I fell in love with it. It's theater of the mind. That's what we have. I mean, you growing up in Charlotte, I mean, you must have listened to John Boy and Billy who play with theater of the mind every day. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. John Boy and Billy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> See, and, that, and that's the thing I love about writing is that uh, as writers, aren't we envisioning the storyline anyway? And, and through podcasting, we're just taking that what we envisioned into a different area? I'll say this, you know, one of the things that was the most successful thing about the movie Jaws was that we didn't see the monster, yep. not much. And, you know, I, I don't care if you're Steven Spielberg or James Cameron, you're never going to be able to compete with the imagination of, of, of the viewer or listener. So 
the challenge in making a, a fiction story work across you know multiple episodes was just to lean into that and go this is the challenge how do you make a movie without a camera how do you do how do you do this and how do you trust the the listener's imagination and and fuel their imagination as opposed to try trying to like you know supplant it or whatever Jonathan one of the things that really brings this out is the fact that I I believe that the accents sound very authentic what what did you have to do in order to make this happen because you know in, in the south here and 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 Dan will, will will prove this true southerners don't like it when outsiders try to impersonate them yeah no uh, I'm from Boston so I appreciate that tribalism well which was made all the more um, important to us to make sure that the accents were um, were, were good and authentic. We had a wonderful uh, dialect coach, a woman named Lisa Bassetti. Um, worked pretty pretty rigor- rigorously with her. You know, I've done a number of Southern accents from Westworld to um, to Justified, so it's an accent that I'm very comfortable with. But we really wanted to dial it in with Dan, um, who knows the area, grew up in, in the area, and then there was a little bit of leeway with the lead character that I was getting to play because he had spent so much time uh, outside. Um, of Tennessee uh, in New York and working in kind of the the media world of the Northeast. So we had a little leeway, but um, it was mission critical that people who are listening to this podcast weren't taken out by any spotty accents. Unacceptable. Dan, you, you I mean, you you get to the point right from the very beginning when when Julian gets word of of James Fincher's Fincher's uh, execution. I mean, I mean, this is 14 years later, and all of a sudden, you know, as a listener, I'm going, okay, okay, I understand what's going on here. And then, I mean, and then all of a sudden, the phone calls start coming in, and and you're going, ooh, now I'm really picking up on some drama because should he be back in Tennessee? Should he not? be in Tennessee he, he's struggling with that idea of going back or not yes uh, so it's the same the same rules apply structurally you know to to all stories I guess and, and it's intention and obstacle and you go okay let's let's figure in in the, in the second thing there is is how do we align the audience or the listener or, or the viewer with our main character that's always the goal so we try to create an immersive, an immersive experience, and we wanted to align everyone with Jonathan. We wanted to yeah. align them with his thoughts and his in his heart and what he's up against, and we want them to put on his shoes and and, and see the obstacles coming and and experience the world through his eyes. So that's the that perspective is always the beginning of any choices we make creatively. Well, Jonathan, you do that when when it when it comes to locking in on you because it almost sounds like you're talking directly with me and then I like like I'm sitting right there in the situation with you and I'm traveling with you in the in the way that the story carries forward. How did you embrace that as an actor of knowing that we're on this side of the speaker and, and it's, and, and, and you're including us on your walk. You know, I, 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 uh, Dan's ego is so big already. I don't want to pump him up anymore. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, the, the writing just allowed me to take a ride. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you're taking a ride with me as a listener, um, I got to take that ride with Dan as the writer and the actor. I just got to flow with him because um, because the writing was just so so strong. And again, it goes back to like what a what a um, satisfying experience it was to do this podcast um, outside of the traditional you know film sets that I've been on. Um, he just kind of set up this beautiful uh, wave, and I, we just got to all all of us as actors got to just jump on and um, and 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 go with the flow. <laughs> 
You know, Dan, you've done something I've never seen before with, with the podcast, and that is that you've given an open space for Lara Lynn's to have her song, A Killer Inside, uh, up there on its own. Uh, most people, you know, they, they bury their music in it, but I mean, you've given us that opportunity to really get into that song. Lyra Lynn is, for one thing, it's criminal how talented she is. <laughs> she, she took the the, cons, the the conceits of the of the show and and the general themes, and she crafted this song. And right out of the gate, it was like I don't have any notes. This is a, this song is amazing, and it really is. And it became our anthem. And it is um, it's a testament to her and her ability. But she's just such an ideal fit coming from that true detective world. Uh, you know, she did the, the music for True Detective season two, and she's already sort of got this haunted darkness to her, her 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 lyrics and her musicality. Anyway, it was it was such a pleasure to be able to work with her, and it was such a beautiful song it, that functions in the show, kind of like a you know, kind of like the opening credits sequence would for for you know a streamer. And you, you, I really wanted to highlight that. I really wanted to celebrate it, and so we gave it its own episode, basically. And Dan, when 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 Dan first sent over the materials for the Manawak Caves, um, and I was going through them, uh, I remember he sent over a Spotify playlist, and I started reading the script, listening to the music that Dan had put together, and it was you know it, it transports you. Um, it's so visceral the way that all that auditory experience in general can be for us, particularly now that we all have access to. Uh, the technology it's like not everybody has a movie screen in their house but they've got these iphones and we have a lot of we have the the headphones to be able to fully take in the um the sound so it just takes you somewhere so quickly and so viscerally or so emotionally um that first spotify playlist that you i just knew this guy was somebody Mm -hmm. who, who could bring you to a new experience um, with uh, with one or two notes. I was going to ask you about that music because it almost sounds like that you guys were acting this out and the orchestra was right there with you because it fits in so well. Ben, love Dan, it. Dan, do you remember that we played a few of those songs on the yes. first day or two? Just to yeah, absolutely. Get yeah, it was fantastic. It really does. It, it, it's 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 a great to set the mood. And when I'm writing, I, that was the playlist that I wrote with. And I have to I have to call it. I have to shout out to Zoe Cooper and, and Nicholas Tokoski my co-writers on this because they, you know, I could not have done it without them. Um, but yeah, the, the music is from Ben Lovett. He actually gave us, it's amazing what he did. He, he read some of the early episodes and much like Lyra, he gave us this entire library of music with which to edit and to, you know, instead of having temp music to, to layer into the thing and then have the composer try to replace that later, Ben gave us this stuff up front to use so that, his music was the temp and and it started to have its own sort of you know the dna of the show is is very much built out of the music that we hear that's so interesting you say that because even as a commercial producer that music is so valuable and so important to me because when normally when i go into a production studio they 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 want the voice then they go find the music i'm going well no let's create the emotion first let's figure out who we want to reach who they are what they are where what kind of a car are they driving who am i talking with here Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we, you know, Ben and I had a lot of conversations about, well, we know it's dark. We know there's mystery. We know there's suspense. We know there's horror. Uh, but the instrumentation has to be, you know, rooted in, in the Southeast and especially in Tennessee. And that's why Lyra Lynn was so perfect as well. She's, she's, she's an indie 
you know, songwriter from Nashville. So it just, it just all worked out really well. And it's, it's honestly with Lyra's song, it's one of the first times I've ever been able to create a movie or a show with a, with a sonic stamp like that. Um, you know, cause music costs so much to, to license for shows and to, to out of the gate, have one that was generated with us and, and organically, you know, as part of the show was just a a real, I'm, I'm so grateful. The sound quality of it's it to me as a listener envision it in my heart and head. It sounds like that you were wearing a mask in the opening stages of of, of the podcast, Jonathan. Were you wearing a mask, or was that just some damn good sound effects or something? You know, a plug in for uh, for uh, Pro Tools. That's some damn good sound effects that Dan could probably speak But I will say that uh, you know one of my favorite um, parts of all of this. Um, was when Dan, I got a, I got a package in the mail. Uh, I opened it up. It's a little note from Dan saying how excited he was to start making this thing. And inside was a, um, a little tape recorder, uh, you know, like a dictation yeah. uh, recorder that you used 25 years ago. Um, and on it was a recording of Dan and his son, um, his son, who's how old, how old your boy? Five. Six. Yeah. He's six now. Kindergarten. Yep. And uh, it, it, it brought me back to that time when you used to click those two buttons to record um, because the quality of that sound was so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing a number of those devices in the podcast um, was uh, was really fun for me to go back and listen to as, I, as I've listened to the podcast. Now, I'm listening to them in real time with you, Arrow. So as they're coming out one by one, uh, I'm right there alongside the listeners. Wow. Wow. Let me, the, the, the texture that listeners pick up on it, it, it's changed so much. I remember the days when it had to be high quality. There better not be a needle dropping anywhere in the background. I love the texture where it feels like uh, Dan, that you are taking us someplace. It's so NPR because NPR mastered that art. You do take us someplace in this podcast. There's, there are actually, we, we had spent a lot of time discussing and, and creatively figuring out the, the layers of the show. So I wanted to set up a, a situation where we could take the listener wherever we wanted, whenever we wanted, across time and space. So at times you'll hear the playback and the texture of, of a, you know, of a decayed playback that's, that's with low batteries that's um, <laughs> from the archives. And then we'll dissolve back in time into that uh in 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 world as as we call it back into that exact moment and we would we will transport the listener back into time and then from there uh as they start to reminisce or as as they may even have uh flashbacks we'll start to have this impressionistic uh soundscape that'll layer in on top of that um so at times it's it's 2d and our in archival at other times it's 3d and uh you know binaural so Mm. Jonathan, in, in the second episode, and I don't want to spoil it or anything like that, but but jo- uh, Julian is given information about the Hadley brothers. In that moment, I'm going, okay, here's where we're going to pass the baton. We've got to be able to build up this relationship that we've heard about the Hadley brothers in in the first episode, but now now that this investigation and this information is opening up, th- there's a challenge here in what's happening. Um, yeah, um, c- certainly. I mean, we're... Um, uh, you know, this is um, as much of a physical transportation yeah. uh, or physical physical journey back home as it is an internal one for our lead character. 
And um, that's also not so abstract. Whenever you know you you come back to um, a place, you come back to memories and you come back to experiences. Um, certainly, if you come back for a high school reunion or you go back with um, the, the the kids in the neighborhood you grew up in, um, it's always filled with some really good things and some things that you might might not have made you feel comfortable. Uh, and that and that's what happens in the Manawalk caves. Dan, you coming from Charlotte, I mean, where there's a church on every block. I mean, it's like a, the, these words right here, the Lord works in mysterious ways. He's got nothing on the devil. Whoa, whoa, man, I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, growing up in the southeast, you know, it's they call it the Bible Belt. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and growing up in Charlotte, um, <clears throat> It's definitely was a big part of my past and the influence and sway both for, for good and for, and, and maybe for not so good, uh, that the church has, uh, over the, you know, the, the mechanics of the politics and, and the leadership. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to play with that as a force in this. And we have Reverend Perkins played <laughs> by our lovely Scott Poitras, I love how everybody who listens to it, the first thing they say is, I, I hate that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, the church is a prominent influence on all factors of, of your life growing up in, in the Southeast, especially. Um, and, and I wanted that to be a sort of a force in the, in the show. How did you have to research and and make this a part of your your weave, uh, Jonathan? In the way that because I mean it's it's it really sounds like that you're in that moment, but you've got to do research. You have to envision yourself as someone. What was the coaching? Because I mean to have a voiceover coach is one thing, but to bring it to life is another. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we're we're all a lot more connected than um, than the media wants to make us out to yeah. to, to feel or to be. And, um, you know, I, I'm a father, so I, I thought of, you know, and during these politically divisive times, um, how kind of artificial that really is when you're on a playground, for instance, uh, everybody's looking out for everybody else's kid. And as I said, going home is kind of a, the same sort of a, an experience or a similar experience for, for everybody, no matter where they're from. Um, when you allow yourself to be taken by a story, um, the, the story itself does the work. All the commonalities are there. The, just just being present to what is invoked uh, in yourself is, and allowing that to reveal itself or find itself and express itself, whether it's on a, a set or um, in a in a recording studio. It's really the same sort of an, of a process. It probably just takes, um, you know, some people maybe find it very quickly as an actor. Um, other people takes takes a decade or two. Um, but that that the real work is there versus the kind of um, the rudimentary or the the um, you know the just the homework that you have to do to know about a certain talent or a certain accent um, or certain relationships. Those things you, you work on, like you, you work on brushing your teeth, um, but it's about understanding, um, you know, the, the humanity or the inhumanity of man that makes taking a ride like this so, um, so uh, profound.
Jonathan, your your brilliance here, and <laughs> we're so grateful to to have that was the one of the that was the first big sort of like, oh, we have a show now when yeah. when Jonathan signed on because there's like if there's a if there, if one method for acting is yourself in a different set of circumstances, so you start with yourself, and Jonathan has that he brings he brings this richness of his own personality and his own experiences to the table, and yeah, sure he has an accent and that's the homework. Uh, or, you know, what it means to be in these conditions for this show, um, his best friends on death row, you know, these are the conditions, but it's himself in, in this set of conditions. And he brought that soul to the, to the part and it, it's what makes the show work. Yeah, I mean, it, that's it. It's the emotion that keeps you going. And because you've got hope, you've got faith in this and you're going, okay, what, what is going to happen here? Especially, and I know I'm running out of time, but, but the, when, when Julian, you, you touch on the, the blackouts in episode one, but you finally give listeners even a deeper story when you get to episode number three, because then we begin to understand even more about Julian and you, we have more compassion for what he's doing and what he's going through. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I even in that first episode, one of my favorite parts is about like I was going down to Manawak County whether I wanted to or not. I mean, he's there in the car, yep. trying to put you know wakes up, trying to put the keys in there. Um, uh, you know, I think we could all relate to when um, we feel like the hand of, of God or intuition or circumstances are driving us towards a certain goal. And um, it just is further recognition that we're not on our own time. Yeah, yeah. You guys nice. have got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Arrow, thank you. Thank you for having us. You bet. You be brilliant today, okay, you guys? <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thank you.